Anna, welcome to the Commerce Talks podcast, um, episode number four, live from the Shop Talks in London. You are representing the PepsiCo Labs. That's what we're talking about um, today. Before we are dive into the PepsiCo Labs, can you give us like a, a brief overview about PepsiCo? What is it doing and, uh, um, and what can I buy from PepsiCo? Oh, perfect. So PepsiCo is one of the largest food and dev companies in the world. And I think what many people do not know about PepsiCo, that it's completely vertically integrated, meaning we are an agriculture company, right? We grow our potatoes, we're 8% of the world's potatoes. You know, we're a large agriculture company, obviously, because we have a lot of technology going into agriculture to create more sustainable, regenerative agriculture, and also to supply the demand, the growing demand for potatoes um, for our product. And then to move those potatoes, we have the largest private fleet. So one of the largest fleets in the world is fully owned and operated by PepsiCo. We obviously manufacture the product, we ship it to stores, we sell it, we merchandise it, we market it. So end to end from the potato seed all the way down to the shelf, to the consumer and the customer, everything's operated by PepsiCo. Um, but, but apart from Pepsi, the drink, yes. which is part of PepsiCo, what other What, what is a potato brand we have to talk about? Lace. So Lace. Lace. Lace or Walkers. Same brand, different names in different countries. Uh, Cheetos, Doritos, Quaker Oats, um, Gatorade. So Starbucks coffee, if you've ever got the bottled one that you get in the store, that is PepsiCo. Lipton tea in the UK, that is PepsiCo. So many, many love brands. And most of the products are sold to the consumer via wholesale business model, right? You're, yes. you're putting it into supermarkets, uh, um, some products most likely even into Amazon, and then consumers can buy it from there. Yes. Okay. And it's a company, you, you've, you've missed the revenue number, I think, on Wikipedia or so. Or, no, I saw, I think, the last, um, the last uh, quarterly report, it was like 80 billion, so eight zero on a yearly basis, growing uh, even like... 13% year over year, which is a tremendous growth yes. um, on, on a yearly basis. Um, and then can you tell us what PepsiCo Labs is focusing on? Yeah, so PepsiCo Labs is the team within PepsiCo that focuses on solving big problems, leveraging startup technology. So anything that can be improved, right, or um, any bridges, technology gaps that we can bridge through startup technology will go through my team. We basically understand the needs, what are the biggest pain points of our business and our industry, right? What are those big things that really matter and we should really solve? And then we scout globally for technologies to find the best fit. So the best solution for our specific problems, we put it to the test in a real PepsiCo environment to see, does it work? And then if the pilot is successful, we scale globally across the company. Can you give us some examples from the last two years? Yes, of course. Um, we are now scaling an agriculture company, which is actually amazing. It's called Endrip. And what they've developed is a drip irrigation system. So it's a bit dorky and, you know, specific, right? Drip irrigation. Who cares about drip irrigation? But when you think of it, 85% of the world, of the fields in the world are irrigated by flood, meaning you put a lot of water, you flood the field, and then you let the water out. This is very inefficient because 70% of the water is lost. And this is really 80% of, of all fields globally. This is how they're irrigated. And the reason is there are other methods. So there's pivot, there's drip. It exists for years. But this is expensive. Drip irrigation was expensive. Pivot irrigation is expensive because you need capex. So you need to put the pipes. You need opex. So you need power. 
to bring the water, you need to filter the water. So that is the traditional drip irrigation that exists for decades, but it was too expensive. A farmer in India growing potatoes or rice could not afford drip irrigation. Though they rather would flood the fields. Yes, even in places where there's no water, right? That was their only option. And drip have developed a drip irrigation that is low cost, right? High efficiency, meaning the same with low capex, no opex, because they're using the natural gravity of the land to bring the water, no filtration needed. So now drip irrigation is available to even, you know, the smallest farm holder in India. And that was the unique thing we saw with them. We tested them in five fields in India, a couple more in Vietnam. The results were amazing. So we were able to save 50% of the water, which is massive. Again, we're talking about, you know, areas like Punjab, there's no water. The yield is better because you can give precise irrigation, right? So the yield increased by 15%. Nitrogen levels, you don't need to fertilize as much, right? So CO2 emissions are down by 80%. Uh, ammonia, right? Any, anything, right? All of the KPIs we're looking at were better. And that's just awesome. So it's a company we're partnering with. Um, we're now scaling it this year across India, South Africa, areas of the US, and potentially Egypt, and then you know, next year we'll expand to additional markets. Are farmers in the US flooding their fields? They're not flooding their fields, it depends where. So Nebraska, for example, yes, they are. Um, Re uh, really, I, I thought that my, my understanding of fl flooding fields was just some rural areas like in India or China or so. I wish, no, it's still the most common way to irrigate fields. Okay, and how vertically integrated is PepsiCo? So you, are you owning then a lot of land too? or No, we work with farmers. We partner with farmers. They grow the potatoes for us. We have a seed that is our IP. So we've developed the seed. We give them the seeds in the beginning of the season. They plant it, grow it for us. We support with technology. So we help them develop practices to better grow their product or better grow potatoes. And then at the end of the season, they sell the potatoes to us. And we have many of those, right? We have hundreds of thousands of farmers globally working for PepsiCo. Interesting. So, and um, and the um, uh, apart from uh, potatoes, are there other products that are super important for your business? Yes, um, oats to support Quaker, corn, and then many of the commodities, right? Oils, anything that goes into our product. But mainly that will be corn, oats, potatoes. And, and um, one of the last guests, um, the, um, um, the e-commerce manager from uh, Siemens uh, said that customers today would expect a much more sustainable product. They will not buy a product where the sustainable index is very low. Um, now you've explained the irrigation um, innovation. Is this used then to come up with a more um, sustainable lace? product or is it rather helping you on the cost side or saving costs for the farmer so it is both i think sustainability is great right and pepsico puts sustainability at the center of our strategy everything we do is now driven by sustainability but it also needs to make financial sense otherwise the farmers will not do it right farmers will not irrigate or use less water in irrigation if it will not make financial sense so we incentivize them, we partner with them to explain why this is better for them financially, for their stability, right? For their resilience as farmers against climate changes and everything that, is, we, see, that we see happening in the world. But it also makes you know, an impact on the planet, right? So it needs to come together. 
right? We need to fuel the growth. We need more potatoes. We want our farmers to grow more. We want them to do it in a sustainable way because this will fuel their growth and our growth, right? So you have to have the financial benefits and the sustainability benefits are going hand in hand. Okay, got, got it. So I understand like the innovation level on the on the production side. I, I guess there's lots of innovation also like on this uh, developing better seeds or seeds per region that are working better in India versus like in Indonesia versus like in, in the US. Um, then part of the part of the big um, uh, um, capex of PepsiCo is then the transportation fleet. And um, is there any innovation on the way or was there innovation, innovation in the last years that helped to bring fleet emissions down or to use less trucks or to use less drivers? Yeah, so actually fleet is one of my biggest focuses for the year. PepsiCo owns and operates one of the largest fleets in the world. We have over 70,000 vehicles in the US alone, all types, right? All but, types of trucks. But mainly for the part farm to factory. No, actually mainly factory to store. Mm -hmm. So we do short haul mostly. Right. All of this large fleet is only a portion of our entire kind of miles. Right. We, we use third party providers. We need a lot of miles to cover our operations. But the PepsiCo trucks, so we have class one through class A trucks. We have sprinter vans. We have company vehicles, tractors, trailers, you name it. Right. We have the full yard variety. And as part of PepsiCo Positive, which is PepsiCo's sustainability commitment, which is very aggressive, one of the key components is our fleet. And we've committed to turning our fleet to carbon neutral by 2040. And, and this is a massive transformation, right? You can imagine one of the largest fleets in the world becoming carbon neutral by 2040. That's a huge commitment. And do you know the steps already to be taken to make it happen? Yes. The first step is automation. Oh, sorry, electrification. Right. So we are electrifying. We already have electric trucks. We've had them for 10 years. But honestly, um, you know, the industry, the mobility industry was not there yet. So we are still, we're a bit ahead of the curve because we've been looking at it for many years, but we are working with probably every electric vehicle provider, every OEM, our yard has every type of vehicles because there's no one size fits all, right? So we're working with one OEM on um, short haul trucks. We're working with a different OEM, you know, Tesla, not a secret. We're partnering with them as well. We're getting Tesla trucks. So we will work with everybody to electrify but electric vehicle is just the first component of electrifying the fleet because then you need the grid you need to actually electrify those vehicles you need a grid that can support the massive you know power source that you will need which is not easy right and after that you need to orchestrate all of that together um, i'm gonna i'm gonna visit one of the biggest like solar panel um builder in in, in germany in the next week so how are you gonna support this kind of grid do you want to build like huge solar um, installation close to the uh, factories where the trucks can be loaded or is there like an, another contribution to the grid problem we're looking at everything solar energy is great but that's not enough right if i look at one of our i visited one of our largest sites in north america a couple of months ago in in california which is a sunny state right if you cover the entire site with solar panels, it will be enough to power one truck. I have a hundred. So we need to find a way to create that energy and also to store it and transport it to when it is used. To power one truck during the recharge. During the recharge. Then it's not such a big site, I would, I would it say. It is a very big site. It requires so <clears throat> solar charging and, and charging of electric vehicles 
requires a lot of energy. It will be, it will almost double the electric capacity of a site when you need to power trucks. Oh, okay. And there's like 100 trucks for this site uh, hauling around all the day. Yes. Okay. What is then the next big thing you can do to power the grid? What is the best thing we can do? Yeah, the next best thing. If, if, the, if the site is not big enough <coughs> to just cover the solar panels, do you need to buy land now uh, so where you then cannot grow uh, potatoes anymore? Maybe. Maybe you can combine both. That can be something we, we can look into. But there's different, uh, different approaches, right? You need to generate energy. We will buy eventually electricity from the grid. But you also need to make sure that your grid supports that. Right? The grid today is limited in its capacity to support our needs. So we're looking at everything. We're partnering with startups. We're partnering with you know, states, you know, the state of California. We're working across the industry to make sure that we will get the, su the supply. Right? It's about getting the right charging on the right truck at the right time. Okay, there was step two for the for the trucks um, this electrification and power uh, empowerment of the trucks. Is there? But 2024, that's only um, two years out. So 2040. 2040. Yes. Uh, not 2024. No, okay, that was uh, that would have been very very ambitious to to make it until like 2024. But we are making so one of the efforts we're looking at is how do you deliver right? How do you make sure you have a sustainable impact? Not only, you don't wait until 24, right? 2040, sorry. You need to have an impact in the coming years as well. So there's different things that we took, like biodiesel, right? And more sustainable fuels. And how does it work now from your position with Pepsi Collapse? How do you find innovations or how do you scout for um, um, innovations and, and, and how do you validate them? So it all starts with knowing what you're looking for. And I'm not the fleet expert, but PepsiCo has some of the best fleet experts in the world, right? Just because this is our business. And we partner with them. We go very deep on understanding what are the, their needs, what are their current needs, what are their future needs. And we chart out exactly what will be the use case, how does success look like, how does this solution integrate with other solutions, how does this integrate with the overall PepsiCo operational scheme, with enterprise architecture, etc. Um, and then we scout for those specific needs. So we share those briefs with the ecosystem of startups, venture capital firms. We get their recommendations and we filter. We get hundreds of companies. We leverage our expertise in the business to filter the most relevant ones. And then eventually we will select the ones that we will pilot. So what's your view on the autonomous driving capabilities of uh, long haul trucks? Long haul trucks, well, um, again, I'm not the expert on long haul trucks. I think There are some interesting technologies evolving, right? We see things, but I think a lot of the focus of the industry, specifically on autonomy, was um, focused on retail versus trucks. So trucking is still relatively new, right? We're doing a lot of pilots. Probably every name you can think of in autonomy, we are partnering with. We're not making a specific bet. We're just diversifying and waiting for somebody to become ready for PepsiCo. So, by the way, if anybody is listening and has a relevant technology, please reach out. Um, and I think we have an interesting decade ahead to see where this is will evolve. It was a promise that we've been hearing about for a long time. We've been seeing this with our eyes because we're testing those technologies. But I think we're still far from having a commercial uh, product. And if, if, I'm, if I'm looking at this kind of value chain from having a farmer producing uh, potatoes, transporting to the factory, in the factory itself, 
has there been like a high level of innovation in the last years, like producing uh, the potato product, having a sustainable packaging, having like a, um, a, a, a compostable a solution where you can like um, get the um, get the um, uh, bags back from the customer and decompose them in your own factories. Was there any level of innovation in the last years? Because the chips I'm seeing at the supermarkets they're looking the same like uh, they, they, they looked like 10 years ago. I think our focus in the last years around um, around manufacturing was more on waste reduction on the manufacturing lines, right? So how do we create a product that is perfect, right? So even if, because if you have a small defect in the seal, for example, then you trash it. You want to avoid that because then you're not efficient. You create waste that you then need to dispose of, etc. So we've been looking at, at a lot of technologies, testing them and actually scaling some of them across the company on how do you reduce waste? How do you reduce your water consumption, right? Because there's a lot of water going into potatoes. Imagine the potato comes in dirty, full of mud from the field. You need to wash it. You need to slice it, like peel it, slice it. There's a lot of water in the entire process. You can optimize it. And we've partnered with the, with the solution that is scaling across our European sites or across European manufacturing sites um, of snacks on how do you optimize when you have just the perfect amount of water, you don't waste water in that process. And again, the numbers were impressive. We've, we've managed to reduce uh, the water consumption by 8%. When you think of our scale, 8% of water consumption in manufacturing sites is a lot, right? Another example will be on unplanned downtime to increase capacity. It's a bit like in your car. When you drive your car every day, you know when the sound is different and something is about to break, right? It's not broken yet, but you know you'll hit the garage in a couple of days. So the same, we have basically, we've partnered with a company named Augury and they collect all of those sounds, vibration, heat, etc., electromagnetic um, uh, signals, and they are able to predict when something's about to break. So you can replace it before it breaks and you don't have unplanned And this outcome. is already in operation? Yeah. And it, and it works? It works. It's perfect. It's already across 29 snack sites in North America. It will be in 10 beverages sites in the coming months and it's moving to Europe and Canada. Okay, right now you're focusing on the, on the, on the fleet side. So what are the sources you're using to see this innovation? Is it, is it kind of a trade show like here? Is it like something where you watch a documentary and seeing, ah, there's somebody doing something, something different. We should, uh, we should uh, um, look at that a bit closer. So we are doing, there's a few methods. Number one, VC startups, right? We put our needs out there and we ask for VCs to send us their recommendations. Incubators, accelerators, other CPGs that are facing similar needs and are looking at startups as well. We post it on social and we ask startups to apply through our website. We do research. So we work with research companies that do deep market research on specific topics to help us find those companies. Plus we do our own research. So we have people on my team that are act every time they focus on a, on a topic and they do deep research to understand the technologies and vet that with our experts and obviously conferences, right? We visit conferences, we are aware of the startups that are exhibiting there. So hopefully with this, we cover most of, of the universe. How is the communication chain working between the factories and the farmers? You said you have like 100,000, maybe even more farmers. I guess there's a couple of innovations that are and lots of feedback in the production uh, process. Is there a structured process? Because today I would say it's, it's part of the procurement team. So the farmer had a contract with PepsiCo. He's, he gets his seeds uh, um, early in the year and he has to produce the potato and there's kind of a 
invoice sent by the farmer. But this seems to be like a tremendous source of innovation and knowledge. Is there kind of a knowledge center between all those farmers, which, which would make sense on the scale of PepsiCo? Yes, of course. We have agro teams supporting farmers. Um, we have agro science teams, right? They do experiments with early stage companies. They partner with universities. They work with every big company and small company to develop solutions, right? We have demo farms where we actually show the possibilities. So we show technologies to our farmers and we have incentives to help them uh, implement this technology, right? For example, another startup actually German based that we are working with named Stenen. They've developed a real time measurement, right? It's kind of a shovel that goes into the ground, gives you real time indication of different measures of soil. Eventually, this will give you an indication of how much nitrogen you need to apply. Because most farmers, when they don't have this data, they over apply. They apply too much nitrogen. Nitrogen costs have tripled in the past year. Plus, it's not good for the environment. So we are working on educating our, our farmers and also supporting them in moving to smarter data driven farming methods versus traditional methods. So we are working with Stan and providing this tool, right? We are you know, helping our farmers have access to this tool so they can become smarter in the way they farm. What's your view on the, on the climate change um, is, issue with, with the availability of soil? So what, what I'm getting from the media is that because of uh, the global warming, there's like more desert. I don't know what it is, desertation or so. So less, um, less productive soil available uh, worldwide. Um, You're now researching on so many areas mm -hmm. on, on the farming side. So my naive understanding uh, would be there's like lots of water on the planet. We just have to get the salt out and then there's lots of soil available or, it's, or, or, or lots of areas available where we can produce good soil. So are you kind of worried about the availability of land for the products you're producing? So as part of PepsiCo Positive, one of the key pillars is regenerative agriculture. And how do we maintain the ability of the land to support us? And that is one of the programs that we will kick off towards the end of the year. So you will need to revisit in a few months, five, six months. But yes, this is one of the key areas that we will explore in the coming months as a team together with our agro leaders. But, but, but do you have your own personal view of the, is there, is there really like land going away because there's like too less water available to, to make the soil productive? I'm not sure. I think... There are still measures to be put in place, right? So to, to use the soil that we do have. I'm not, again, not the agro expert. So this is an area that I will learn in the coming months uh, to develop a better opinion right on. And then um, on this conference, like Shop Talks here, we had like for years now, um, a lot of talks about KI, artificial intelligence. You now are sitting on a production line with millions and billions of data points. So you'd be like you would be like the ideal case to apply this different technologies has this ever worked out ever produced something meaningful for you of course i mean ai is an enabler right ai is a buzzword everybody puts ai in the name of their startup but it's about the use case what is the problem i'm trying to solve what are the actions i want to drive and what are the insights that will give me the right data to take better decisions so if you start with that, then yes, AI works. We have multiple examples of how AI, even within agriculture, we've leveraged an AI company to understand what drives yield. We've analyzed 100 different data points per field over 2,000 fields in Europe 
to understand what can predict higher yield. What are the things that you can influence and change to drive higher yield? I have another example from retail. We've analyzed stores to understand where's the potential, which stores can drive higher sales, which stores um, you know, are an opportunity, what type of stores correlate or their sales are better influenced by PepsiCo product. And this is all AI, right? But it's not the model for the sake of the model. It's about knowing what you're asking. What is the business question you're trying to unlock? Yeah. How much potential is still in developing new um, potato seeds? So can there be like a seed that is able uh, that is able to get much more out of soil or consume less water during the growth process? Oh, wow. That's a deep tech R&D question. I'll need to check and get back to you. That's oh. a science a science question we have a whole kind of team army of scientists all over the world huh. trying to solve this so but you would say you are you 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 have the ip for the best potato seed on the planet best for us right so they are the best potatoes to produce to go into our product to produce potato chips this is not the potato that you would buy for your home because yeah. they're not necessarily the same right And wor working in that area, can you still consume potato chips? Of Is course. it still like, do you still enjoy it? I mean, it's the best. Lace, like the basic, the red one. Yes, still the best. To me, my kids love it. Okay, in the next session, you, you, you promised we're going to talk about the consumer side um, of the business. Today, we focused on the manufacturing side um, of the business. Thank you for your time and the very insightful um, um, comments on the, um, on the PepsiCo Labs um, impact on the manufacturing side. And we will try to find out if there's like even better potato seeds later. Sure. Thank you for inviting me and have a great conference. Thank you.